The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everyone. Sadly, is once again Ryan Wilson hosting the show, not Will Brinson. Uh, we're in is Indianapolis. Is that a sad thing, yeah. Ryan? Is that sad? I heard sad. that I heard that rating spiked. <laughs> they almost doubled. This is I heard going people honestly didn't notice that Will wasn't a part of it. Ooh. Sometimes... <laughs> Number uh, two becomes number one. All that's right. just Wally Pip. Things happen. Will Brinson. There's, been, Wally a Wally he, there's been a lot of Wally Pip. There's been a lot of Wally pooping Wally going on. That's, that's right. <laughs> so I'm Ryan Wilson here with Jamie Eisenberg, Brady Quinn, and Jason Lock on four. Pete Prisco has bowed out graciously today. But we're in Indianapolis, day two of the combine. What you hear in the background is Pete Prisco doing uh, bench press. It's actually the players are here behind us. Um, I'm not sure which. They're kind of in front of us. Which actually. Group Wide receivers. Wide receivers. Wide receivers are out there bench pressing. So those who have chosen to do so, so, others have decided to do it at their pro day. Anyway, we're going to talk about some some buzz from Indy, the league news um, about the CBA. Jason's going to talk about that. Uh, we heard um, the Mike McCarthy, the new Dallas coach, talk about Dak Prescott and uh, some news about Cam Newton. So uh, let's start with you, Jason, in terms of where we're at in the CBA. Sure. We know some of the players seem really unhappy about it. It sounds like mostly players who have made a lot of money. Yeah. If you're a younger player, it sounds like they might be more inclined to vote with what is going on. Well, yeah. I, I mean, look, there's 1,900 individuals who will be voting on this. Um, we tend to talk a lot about stars, and we tend to focus on what a Russell Wilson tweets or what a J.J. Watt tweets because they have millions of followers. But there's hundreds, probably more than a 1,000 guys making the vet minimum or right around it, whether they're on a rookie contract or whether they're on what might be their last contract. And those guys have the opportunity in the short term to make another $100,000, which could be a 33% raise, 25% raise, 20% raise, um, less depending on how much you make. But, you know, for those kind of guys, at least a 10% raise, and they're going to have to work less because there's going to be less training camp. There's going to be less practices pre-season and regular season. And there's going to be more jobs because you're adding spots to the practice squad. You're adding game day active spots. And that's a big deal because a lot of guys have incentives tied to whether they're active each week or not. Um, so there's more opportunity, more money, and it's happening right now. I, I don't want to contradict anything you're saying. I did not see that they were going to actually going to lessen the offseason. I actually thought that was one of the things the owners 
didn't want to agree to is limiting how much of that. Now, maybe they limit some of them. Well, we're going from four that, to two, two, maybe three preseason games. Right, understand, understandable, which, again, no one's really playing their starters anyway. So, yeah. honestly, it really takes more of an opportunity to put film out there for some of those back into the rosters, minimum wage guys. I would say this. This is going to pass because it only takes a majority vote. Right. And as, as GLC just pointed out, clearly the majority of players in the NFL, they are making closer to the minimum. And so they're looking at this and saying, great, I get a little bit of bump in pay. The problem is the guys who have had, have had made the money, they realize that this isn't a great deal. They could probably get more. There is no deadline here. They're not pushing this thing to a deadline where they actually have more leverage. And so is it a progress? Yes, from the previous deal. Is it going to help out those guys get more? Yes, but as we talked with uh, Scott Pioli, a former general manager, he said, look, part of the issue is is they've got this to a set amount instead of a percentage of the cap. So once that cap explodes, this amount might be 10% like you had talked about as far as their increase in pay, but it's not going to be once that cap continues to rise because you've capped that amount. So to me, I think Russell Wilson, some of the other players who have been more vocal about it, and Russell, by the way, is someone who – Avoids controversy. He's a politician for the most part. Yeah. No, but he avoids That's what controversy. I'm saying. No, I mean, he wants parts. to play it right down the middle. Yeah, yeah, and he's actually openly saying this is a bad deal. I think that speaks more volumes to it because I would argue the counter that if stars who have already made their money, they obviously want to make more money, they would want to push this deal through because right. they don't want to work stoppage. Those are the guys who are incentivized the most to go back well, and play because they're this, making Brady. the most. So Russell Wilson's tweet was the NBA and MLB are doing it right. Players come first. Uh, Marquise Pouncey was, was – uh, a little gruffer, man, this S is so effing crazy. I vote no, F that S, so on and so forth. So if Aaron Rodgers comes out, J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, guys that are arguably well-respected on their teams, Marquise Pouncey, and Brady, you played through the CBA yeah. in, 20, uh, in 2011. If the lead, team leaders are saying, hey, guys, you should do this, and as JLC pointed out, someone at the bottom of the roster can get a 100K uh, salary bump, how are you reconciling that? It's not going to be that? 100K. It's probably going to be close to like 60. I think what it's all said, based but on the numbers we've 90. seen, we don't know. We'll, we'll see what those numbers are. But if you're in that locker room... Because it's about $3 million per team. It really comes out to about 60 especially with a expanded roster. But if you're in that locker this is how it goes. The majority, because everyone's got an equal say in all this. And that's the, that's the great thing about it. But at the same time, you also incorporate people who are, are less informed about this. And you incorporate people who haven't been through this before. Whereas when you've got some of those older heads are in there, yeah, they've made more money, they've played longer. But at the same time, they know what's best for everyone and future generations. And that's what you're trying to do. You're, you're not trying to win in, in the short term. You're trying to win the short and long term. And that's the problem with this deal is the owners have crafted this perfectly within the public to basically make it look as if, well, these minimum wage, the majority of the players in the league get this pay bump. Otherwise, this deal might not be in there in the future. This deal is still going to be there in the future because the owners are incentivized to want to do it too. They're making a ton of money, not only from TV networks, but eventually from gambling too. So this whole idea that they're going to pull back from this in the future. Well, let me ask you this. Here, here's what How I would, would you vote? If, I vote against it. If, if players don't like the deal and don't like where things stand. Sorry, I got to interrupt this podcast. My man over here has the jersey of all the guys, the failed quarterbacks in Cleveland. And he this yeah. Is Prisco on that then? No, I was, oh, okay. a, I was a disaster. Oh, Pete Prisco has decided to come back. He, That's going to be kind of hard to honest, sign, though. Yeah, yeah like how's he going to get to sign over it? The front or the back? So Prisco found a Browns fan wearing a Browns uniform with uh, shoulder pads and everything. It's a Tim Couch jersey. All the quarterbacks <laughs> since Tim Couch. There you go. And Tim you're Couch a pro pulling off Prisco, an autograph on that. That's not yeah, even yeah. legible. That's, that's pretty, yeah, but that's pretty good. That's not really legible. But. 
I, I've told them before. That's a so tough material. They've got there's a in Halloween every year in Halloween. There's someone who has a graveyard of all the past quarterbacks who play for the Cleveland Browns, and we all have our own tombstone with the years we were there. So I have already been killed off basically every single <laughs> Halloween since 2009 when I got traded by Eric Mangini to the Denver Broncos. So, so we're talking to the ghost of Brady Quinn. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Um, so anyway. But no, um, I was going to say, look, if they have a problem with this. It was this, a very, and, uh, and very, I, very interesting conversation for Pete. To, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I understand why they, why they do. And I don't – look, a 10-year deal to me is kind of crazy. And there's a lot of economic indicators in here that I think should be a little bit different. But the reality is D. Smith – is okay with this because at any point in time, they could have said, you know what, we don't even need to bring this to a vote. We don't feel like we're close enough. And no matter how much pressure we get from well, the owners, wh- there's still a year left on this deal. Why'd they change the threshold? Because it, it used to be two-thirds. That's what they I'm saying. To so if you have issues with it, I think it's kind of misplaced to be kind of screaming out into the ether or, By the way, you know. D-, D. Smith isn't viewed great amongst the players. No, I know. Unfortunately, but, there just hasn't been a great candidate to, to uproot. But I'm saying the issue is within the PA because there were – Several times where they could have they could have paused this thing and, and they didn't and I get that they're getting pressure from the owners but they didn't have to bring this to a vote the moment they sent that term sheet out a week ago to all the players you knew at some point it's going to go to a vote and a lot of guys will probably vote with their pocketbook that ended up being a great service to the owners I, I just I keep going back to the fact that there's no deadline here we also have a deadline that's to what deal. I'm saying so why why did it happen so it happened because the PA let it happen so Brady let me ask you this when you were in the locker room in 2011 how many teammates of yours changed their opinion um. It was different because we, we did hit a deadline. We did hit a work stoppage. Now, granted, the preparation of how we prepared for that work stoppage was different, right? We had prepared to a degree. We had $60,000 that was in a non-interest earning account, and players were able to tap into that. The problem is many players live beyond their means, and right. they don't get those checks until they get to the season. So um, you know, we, we were getting closer to the season, I think, as it became more apparent that they might miss game checks. Then it became more problematic, and guys started wanting to push the deal. Guys who had already made money but potentially were going to be making more money in the future wanted to get back to playing so that they could make more money. Drew Brees, for example, I've used is one, was one of the leaders, guys who wanted to push that deal through and capitalized big time in 2012. Yeah. So um, the hard part is, is there's no way you really can ultimately prepare for this because every player has to be accountable for saving and and. and being frugal and, and making sure that they're putting money aside. But we know that's not the case. And, and that's not the case, right. especially for 2,000 people. They're not going to do that. So the owners know that, and that's why they can send out the messaging like they have and the bullet points, and they can entice a majority of the players to agree to this deal. So, JLC, what happens next? Well, this vote, we'll see. They, I mean, again, sort of uncharted territories. They, the, the PA last time I checked in wasn't sure exactly the mechanism they were going to use to count these votes and to uh, – Gauge these votes. It'll probably end up being done electronically. Um, this process could end up taking a week to two weeks. Um, in the meantime, we're operating under the current CBA, the last year of the current CBA, which means um, the transition of franchise period will open on Thursday. Teams will have their two weeks to apply a franchise and a transition tag if they so choose. At some point, if the players ratify this new agreement, while that period's still going on, teams may have to withdraw. Um, we may go into the new rules as they're constructed under this, you know, discussed CBA, in which case you'd have to remove the tag from one of those players for teams that applied too. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's, that's probably where this was heading. And, and when we were down at the Super Bowl and the PA did their annual state of the PA press conference, most years you could count on D Smith ratcheting up the rhetoric saying 
guys better save your money. Right. We might have a two-year work stoppage. Right. We're going We're going balls to the wall. He said none of that. No. He said, we're brothers. This is family business. We're keeping it in-house. He wouldn't say if they were going to vote or not. You might as well have hung, out, hung a thing for the owners saying, we're ready to do a deal. We're going to take whatever you have on the table around the combine, knowing the league year is starting in the middle of March. That was the biggest indicator in the world. That There was none of that fight. There was none of that vigor. You know, there was none of that D. Smith, I'm Fire coming after belly. you. Right. The if, no, right. The, yeah, Pete so, Smith would have. Uh, Pete, Pete, <laughs> Pete Prisco would have been very disappointed in the, the, in the fire in the Smith. belly quotient displayed by union ownership. But that told me right there, this is getting done. Jamie, you're <laughs> awake. What, what do you think about all yeah. this? <laughs> the thing, thing you, you mentioned about the tags, that's going to impact potentially two teams, right? You got Dallas that could use the two tags on Tampa, Dak, Tennessee. And, those would be the well, three. And, I would think, and, and Tampa would be the other one. But yeah, Tennessee as well. You know, with uh, with Shaq Barrett and, and and Jameis Dallas with. Dak and, and Amari and Tennessee would be Tannehill and quarterback and running back. Yep. So, Jamie, we're at the Combine, so we might as well talk about some Combine things since we're here. Um, I want to get your thoughts on your Tim Tebow guy because you went to Florida. Love I him. feel like Jalen Hurts Love is sort of in the Tim Tebow oh, please. Uh, category. In terms of his <laughs> don't future. put him in that category. Jalen Hurts is a better kid. passer. He's yeah. a better don't, passer. Don't disrespect Tim Tebow like that. Oh, <laughs> exactly. But, so, By the way, you want a great photo. Go to Brady Quinn's Wikipedia page. I don't think it's there anymore. You took it down? No, I didn't take it down. I'm saying it's not there anymore. <laughs> you took it down. It's weird how that works. <laughs> you took it down? How can I take it you down? You took it down. I, I don't run the Wikipedia site. Page. How do I take What's it down? There was a picture on his Wikipedia page of Brady sitting on the bench with the Denver Broncos and Tim Tebow standing over him oh, looking nice. like he's lecturing Brady about how to play a quarterback. He was preaching. <laughs> You're not serious. He was preaching. You took it down? I, I don't have control over that. I'm joking. I don't Wait. know. How would I know? Was he, he literally, was he literally talking from the Bible? at that point, probably. I don't know. You took it down. Well, there's a lot of gospel talk. You, know? you took it off your Wikipedia. On the sidelines? How do I take it off? I don't own Wikipedia. Yeah, I was on the sidelines. Would he be like, okay, about? John 3, We know 14, people who have edited We're going to throw Wikipedia a nine page. route and win this game. Like, you're what? a terrible path. John 316, JLC. I'm trying to think of the old signs. Yeah. Whatever. But like, seriously though, would he like be. It might be another good verse. We should probably look it up. 314 is underrated, by the way. It's the most underrated Bible verse. Jalen Hurts. I have no idea what you're talking about. John 12.5. Jalen Hurts won't be preaching on the sidelines but jamie do you have any wait a minute you don't feel like there's more tim tebow preaching on the sidelines to mine here i don't want to hijack your show but like (laughs) i'm wondering we've all hijacked brinson's show so uh, do you want to expound on the potential like would he seriously i mean at at some point i'm sure we had those conversations yeah oh you don't have a specific you don't have like a specific time no no you edited your wikipedia you've kind of blocked that all out of your memory having it unbelievable have you kind of like just taken the denver you like taken that and just blocked it out no no not pressed it not at all no that's why I think, like, again, oh. if, you're, if you're trying to compare Tim Tebow, yeah, there it's it still is. There. Thank you. Debo found it. There it is. I just saw Debo. Still there. Um, yeah, he probably co- was preaching. He's definitely lecturing. See? And he's, fle- he's flexing his right bicep. You know what the best part about today is? He's probably asking what exactly Pete, went on in the field. Pete could not get off the show. Pete could not get off the show quicker than, than uh, Ruggs is going to run. And he's sitting <laughs> off to the side critiquing everything that yeah, we're you're, saying. Yeah, why are you still here? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely nothing. For who? So, Why are you uh, still here? Jamie, Jalen Hurts. Yes. Well, so back to that real quick. I, 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 well, I don't like comparing the two because <laughs> I was trying to make a segue. I don't know what I was going to say. I'm listening to the whole I think he's a better passer. Bottom line. I don't disagree. But I want to talk about uh, Jalen Hurts sure. in, in the instance that he is not going to do other drills than quarterback drills. Anyone care about that? Is that his best in his best interest? But look, that, was a, that was a media-ass question. That was not from a team. 
fair enough. But People he answered it. that. No, I know. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to... If he believes he's a good quarterback, play quarter. You know, the same thing with Trace There's McSorley. plenty of time if you have to convert this kid. Why do we need to convert him before what, he even gets we, a chance? On, what are we talking about? If we about? even have to. Why, do we, why would we need to? Right, I agree. No, he's I agree, but it's time. like even the people who are who, who who are coming at it from that mindset, like, let the, let, let the kid be who he is before you try to change him. Give him a half a chance before you're already trying to mold him into what you think he needs to be. I mean, Jesus. Holy Tebow. Jamie. Thank you for joining us on the Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so at this point, what's his uh, <laughs> like? What's his draft ceiling at this point? I mean, I think third round's the highest he could go. That sounds high. Well, and that's why I said it's the highest he could yeah. go. I think it's more realistic that he goes somewhere, you know, fourth, fifth round, uh, depending on where he throws and what the plan is for him. But My thing is that he feels like Taysom Hill to me uh, in terms of the yeah. There's some of that. And I think the, I, look, I think the much the, younger, much younger. He's, he's younger. He's not as injury prone. He's he's. Faster than people realize. Better quarterback. I, think you can, I can demonstrate that. You can make. There's no doubt. Looking at BYU, uh, Taysom Hill versus um, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma and at Alabama. I think you make the case. Yeah, he's comparable as far as their athleticism. Probably a little bit more dynamic, and then probably a better passer too. I was talking to someone um, early this week in the league, and they made the case. They had just studied all the Oklahoma running game, and they made the case that Jalen Hurts is the best running back in the, in the Big Twelve. How do you feel like that? Uh, well, no, the kid at Oklahoma State, I'd say, was the Chuba. best running back. Yeah, Chuba yeah. Hubbard by far. He might have, you can make the case, he might have been up there for the best in the country, uh, next to Jonathan Taylor yeah. and Dobbins and those guys. But uh, look, I'm not going to disrespect him in that way because I think he's a true dual threat quarterback. He, he reminds me. Of no, he wasn't with, meaning it in a disrespectful way. Right. He's, he's the, that running it's game. Just, in it just, it just comes off that way a little bit. But he, he reminds me a little bit of Deshaun Watts when he runs. Like he's smooth, he's That's faster than you bad. think. And you know, is he as good of a passer? No, but. You know, over time, the right system, he could potentially develop. I just think this is a great point in time for him to enter into the NFL yeah. with offenses being more open to a lot of the yep. quarterback run So what does he need to do on the field this week to change anyone's opinion who thinks that the biggest the throwing thing is, is hit, yeah. hit, hit them all. And now, not, it's, it's, again, he's set up to fail because every quarterback that throws the combine set up to fail. However, he's not going to he's not going to have a stronger arm than Herbert or Eason. So immediately that, like, wow factor of the ball zipping out of their hands, it's not going to be there for him quite as much. If he hits them all, he knocks them all down, right? We're at, we're at the carnival shooting down little ducks or whatever to win our little prize. I'm picturing little Prisco's, actually. <laughs> Prisco's, perfect. Wouldn't that be Even nice? Somebody should make that prop from Even when better. we're out in Vegas at the draft and we can shoot Prisco's. But, but if that's the case, then I, I think he comes away with a good day. All right. Uh, like I said, we saw Chase Young. All right. Uh, that's on this show or the previous show? We saw Chase Young um, at the restaurant today. Did you yep. see him back there? I did, yes. Yeah. He was, he was, he was pretty big. Um, you care about him not working out? Is the number two no, overall pick? No, I mean, anyone care? No. I mean, is there any reason? Oh, what do you mean? He's not a he's not a competitor. He doesn't want to go out there. Doesn't and have eat? enough fire in his belly. Oh, it's, he I can't. Can't doesn't he want to win the combine? Well, that's that's so. Who's like, who's kidding. the guy I'm to watch? I, I know you are, but who is the guy to watch now? Whose chances to shine with Chase Young not needing oh, to work gosh. out? That's a defensive player. Know. That that. Julian Aquara is a guy who could stand out, Brady. I, I How much it, is he going to do? Is he going to? I mean, is, uh, I, I, if I'm him, I'm not doing a damn thing either. Like, what, what does he have to do? Is, is it good to run? Oh, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. If I was him, why would I do guy. anything? Yeah, I mean, Akuda a, a wouldn't mind seeing run just to, to do it and get it over with. I think he'll, he can run a four, low 4-3. Four but in regards to Aquara, I actually wouldn't mind seeing him working out because I think he needs to. He was he was at a great point in the season where, of his play before he got hurt. He was really continuing to progress. And then, you know, I think for him to come out, show that he's healthy, show what he's capable of, like he's a guy that could grab a lot of attention and solidify potentially a spot in the first round if the health looks good, if the, if the testing and the field drills and all that looks good. Because he will look the part, there's no doubt. Yeah, we actually talked to uh, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle out of Georgia today, and he said Aquara 
and uh, Khalid Kareem were two both incredibly difficult guys to block for for different reasons. The, the defensive ends at uh, at uh, Notre right. Dame. Um, so yeah, we talked about his measurements earlier on the previous show on HQ. Chase Young's two sixty four. He's almost six five. He was freakishly big in person. I didn't expect him to be yeah. that. Yeah, big. when we saw him at lunch. Yeah, that that big, was that big was big guys. Um, so uh, defenses. Uh, obviously, we just talked about that. Um, we talked about quarterbacks yesterday on the podcast. Um, this is right in your wheelhouse, Jamie. Give us one wide receiver and one, one tight end that you're going to be interested in watching uh, run around in shorts and T-shirts. I mean, I want to see how fast Ruggs is. You know, that's the key. <laughs> you know, I, he's going to run fast, but is he going to break John Ross's record? You know, I, I, it, that's the fun part of it. You know, I, I think you want to see, can he get to the 4 two two? right? That's the, that's I think the that record. is the record, yeah. Right, can, can he break that? Um, you know, he's in that conversation for the third receiver, you know, with T. Higgins and, um, you know, maybe Justin Jefferson, you know, whoever yeah. you're going to put after Ooh, the, the, the top two guys. Um, uh, you don't you don't agree that he's in that conversation? I think Rager, because of his speed, right. will be in that conversation. Um, you know, LaVisca Chanel is going to be the eye of the beholder. That's another interesting one. I mean, there's so many guys. I, he's he's might, another one I want to see right. Ayuk might surprise a lot of people, but only one year of production. You know, you didn't see him as much the, two years ago. And maybe that was because Nikhil Harry was more of the featured guy, but there's all those questions. So, Brady, do you think 4-2-2 over under for Henry Rugg? You know, he doesn't – here's what concerns me, and this sounds so dorky and geeky. We started <laughs> kind of breaking down – the 40, because you really do have to look at it as a track event. And so you know how many steps it takes you to run a 40. I want to say around 20-something or 20 is like kind of the guess there. And I think I was talking with him about this. Uh, it might have been another player, but we were talking about like your 10, because your 10 is everything. Your start's everything. Mm-hmm. And so typically you know after your first few steps like how it's going to go. And by 11 yards, you want to get to about seven steps. And you don't want to have any more than that, otherwise you've wasted too much or you've stumbled and you don't want to have really any less, otherwise you're probably reaching because you really want to be driving. So every single step should be pushing off the ground until you start to pick your head up around 20 yards and then start to cycle. So that's like a track background start, right? Ruggs really doesn't have a track background. So I'm kind of curious to see over this period of time if he's going to be able to have that start where it needs to be to run 4 one because that is just blazing fast when you really think about it. It's insane. Um, but it's just like we're breaking all that down, and it's like he'll never run from that position. Never, no one's ever right. going to no, ask him no. to start with his hand down no. and run around. You know what I mean? It just kind of – and I get that we, why we obsess about it because there's nothing else going on in football right now. Yeah. But it's like when you really think about it in those terms, it's like – I don't know. Come I'm, on, dude. I'm, I'm a factual the, track. The, I love the dude 40, is clearly incredibly fast. I remember when we were at the Super Bowl in Atlanta <laughs> and you were uh, grilling Tyree Kill about is he the fastest guy yeah. in the league. Yeah. Because it matters. Like, that's like one of those locker room things where you sit there and talk to guys. It's like – I mean, we'll be sitting there like bored in the offseason and be like, all right, if people start talking trash, basketball, racing. And then you'll see them walk out on the field and there'll be some money laid down. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the most you've seen bet on a 40? Because um, I'm guessing it, dudes it, just start throwing into the pot, In, in the right? thousands, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've seen in the thousands. And so you'll see that. or Like, no one's, like, betting game checks or anything like right. that. It's using the offseason. They don't want to risk it during the year. But there's no doubt you, you see some or, – or, you know, picking up some alcohol or a t- dinner tab or something. Right. So um, – Two things. We talked to Jedrick Wills, the, the right tackle out of Alabama, uh, today on uh, Tuesday. Is that Tuesday? Today's Wednesday. Wednesday, sorry. <laughs> and he wants to run a sub-540. And he admitted, he goes, look, man, I just want to have bragging rights. Yeah. And as soon as this combine's over, I go into a completely different uh, training re- regime because no one gives a crap about how fast you run when you're trying to block someone. Uh, Brady also, our guy Danny Cannell, told us about his 40 time at his pro day yeah. when dated on the track. 
And uh, can you beat a four eight two? Yeah, go look at my stats. I already beat that <laughs> he also wow. got a four seven eight in his first try. They made him run it again because they didn't. They didn't I trust. I think the I had like an average of a four seven three in my low. Wow, Brady moving nine. So, and I actually had bad form out of my start. But yeah, go back in the day, go check my stats. Just saying, bro. Just saying. All right. Okay. Can what you run now? Oh gosh, I don't even know. I, my my biggest issue, like, you know. You, I play baseball, right? And so the, the good of playing baseball is the different arm angles, whatnot. The bad is no one teaches you how to run. And so until I got out to Arizona at API, no one taught me, like, how you really should feel when you run and how to cycle and do all those drills. And so for a lot of these guys, it's like that. Like, that's why I mentioned Ruggs, because Ruggs was just a, like an athlete. And he was a guy who plays football. His football coach mentioned for him to go out there and try to run track. And, you know, he, he really just didn't really see the point. The coach didn't want him. So um, it's learning about how, like, the technique of all that and – uh, I used to grab, so I, when I would run, like I, my foot would actually strike out in front of me. When you do that, you're more susceptible to actually pulling your hamstring. It's bad form, but you know you don't do that know that until they film you and they teach you and like, no, this is how you should feel when you're running and cycling your legs. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a whole different world right now. These guys are going through like I and these guys when they get down their stance, they're thinking about like one or two pointers. You know, like all right, keep my head down, drive through 20, then I start going to pick it up, or how many steps. Like, they're coached to think about all those sorts of things, the breathing and the bench press. Like, how you breathe and handle the first few reps will determine if you can get probably two more reps than you realize for these guys. It's all coordinated stuff that these guys make money off, make a living off of this time of year. So before we go to break real quick, Jamie, any um, fantasy wide receiver? I know it always comes down to fit, but guys that you feel like are immediate impact guys, Assuming they go to some place with a quarterback. I mean, the, 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 the top two guys, the, you know, your, your prospect list, most prospect list, CD Lamb and Jerry Judy, you know, I think they're going to be difference makers right away. Um, I, I, I do think there's going to be, uh, as we saw last year, so many guys that if they end up in the right situation, Terry McLaurin, you know, third right. round pick, uh, AJ Brown, what was he? Third round also, right? Second round pick, Second. uh, you know, Metcalf. Third round pick, Debo Sam, you know, guys that weren't yeah. at, at the top of the, the, the prospect list, like Nikhil Harry and Marcus Brown. Um, yeah, uh, same Any, thing. He didn't have a big statistical year, but, right. you know, just in terms of some of these guys. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Judy steps on the field right away. You could say, okay, if he's with the right quarterback, right offensive system, I'm drafting him as, 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 as somebody that I'm So let's say Judy goes to the Jets. We know they have help other places. Brady's making a face, but Sam don't no, use a weapon. Just... But what about, and then let's say Jalen Rager goes to the Saints. Are you Im- immediately going, okay, Jalen Rager, fantasy-wise, is probably going to have a better season? Uh, no, because like, like we saw last year, you know, um, McLaurin steps into the Washington situation yeah. where there's nobody. Nothing. And he all of a sudden just soaks up all those targets, and you see what the potential could be. You know, it, the guy that I – we did our fantasy podcast. The guy that uh, I said coming off the draft for the same reason was Debo Samuel. Now, he didn't have the same success like McLaurin, but no clear guy in front of him that you're going to say – because remember, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. No clear guy in front of him that's going to completely dominate targets. So – I would take the starting receiver for the Jets over the second guy, and, and in some cases, you know, Jared Cook uh, and, and Alvin Kamara, second and third options behind Michael Thomas. You're talking about maybe the fourth guy best. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little Dak Prescott. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, uh, we're back. Mike McCarthy talked today for the first time as Dallas Cowboys coach at the Combine. Anyway, um, JLC, let me ask you this because I asked Scott Pioli this earlier today. How much money has have the Cowboys squandered? I don't know if that's the word we want to use by waiting a year to sign Dak well, Prescott. I mean, look, they I, I can't crush them too much. I mean, this this guy could have made you know twenty nine, thirty, probably thirty one ish, depending on the, exactly what the last offer was on the table in September before the season started. It's not as if they lowballed him. He just went out and cousined it. He went he went out and he blackoed it. Yes. I mean, timing is everything. Yeah. And he didn't want the bird in hand. And he said, I, what happens if I do play four years for $5 million and my fourth year is far, far and away my best year? And and it was. And so, I, I, I look, and they've got more money to spend than anybody. They're revenue streams. Nobody should be worrying about where Jerry Jones' money's coming from or how much he's paying anybody because he's making it <laughs> hand over fist in a big way. Um but he bought that team for 170 million. People say it's worth 5.5 billion. So Dak's worth whatever he gets. And at this point, if I'm him, I honestly would think about it. if I just did what I did, and they're going to have to put the exclusive tag on me for 30. I'm out cousins it again. <laughs> like if you don't come at me with something that the APY starts at 40, I'm cool with this, bro. And in this new CBA, there might be we don't know all the details yet. What if right. you can only be franchised once in your career? Or what would the second the second tag is going to be so high? I mean, what if I end up making seventy five or eighty for two, and I'm still hitting the market before I'm thirty? It never happens, right? Russell Wilson thought about doing it, didn't do it. Yeah, and he makes a ton off the field. I don't think people realize that when you're the Dallas Cowboys quarterback yeah. and you're successful, Campbell's all Boycos, the endorsements. The, he has, the he's yogurt, got right? multiple national I did, I did, endorsements. I did uh, uh, a hit with him in the Super Bowl where everybody's making their rounds on Radio Row. You had to go to Dak Prescott. He had a separate room where he was doing his his uh, his, his yogurt stuff, uh, and that was the only thing he was doing that week. You know, right. so he was he was right. very so, content with you come to me. He's got Jerry, and then we'll see what happens with these franchise tags. Whether they can still do anything with Amari, but if I'm him, I'm not sweating it whatsoever. If you come to me July fifteenth and and you completely knock my socks off, and it's 120 million fully guaranteed and 40 a year for the first three years, fully guaranteed, and then we got you know funny money in years five. Four, five, and six. But if he keeps doing this, they're going to renegotiate before that anyway. Then I'll sign it. Anything less than that, I'm good. I think you have to change the philosophical approach of players to think how Kirk Cousins did. Yeah. And that's not easy to do. You know, I think it's human nature to try to take whatever is offered up front. Probably more than the one-year exclusive franchise tag. It's hard to turn that down because, you know, we, we... it's generational money. It's generational money, but it's it's also just the fact that like you don't know it's going to be offered after this year, right? So all of a sudden you're saying that there's the potential that yeah, I make my thirty for this one year deal, but if they're offering me however much, eighty, ninety, hundred million, whatever, it's tough to turn that down. And regardless of what the average annual salary is. So 
Dak Prescott has to drive it. It can't be his representation because an agent is going to want to try to top Russell Wilson's so he can brag about that. He can share with JLC so JLC can break it. And then he, when we can talk about how great of a deal that he did. Well, you just talked about them being competitive over 40 times. Presumably they're going to be competitive over salary more, more so than how fast you run. You know, I mean, just in terms of being competitive people playing a really competitive sport. Um, I don't think that has as much to do with it. You know, I, I think every quarterback looks at it differently. I don't, you know, every quarterback probably looks at, oh, I'm the best. I should be paid that way. But there's also an element of, of it, of it too, where it's like, I think all the quarterbacks who are starters want to say, like, look, when I am viewed as a franchise guy, I want to make sure when I'm up, I'm up. And the next guy knows when he's up, he's up, and he's going to try to, you know, surpass that. I think that all the quarterbacks who are franchise guys, they understand, like, what's good for them to surpass Russell Wilson is good for the next quarterback too, right? It's a brotherhood in that way. It's a fraternity yeah. in that way. And so not only is he looking out for himself, but he's also looking out for everyone else. So let's just say he does take that one-year exclusive franchise tag deal, balls out again. Eventually, they got to come to the table, and they, and they got to they got to surpass whatever that number is, whether it's Russell Wilson's or if someone you know goes if, past that if, number. If next. he plays it out, if he does that, if he says, "Go ahead, I'm going to be Cousins, tag me," and Mahomes before Week One gets forty, and Dak does what he did this year, he will beat right. he will beat Mahomes, and he'll beat it fairly significantly. How good is McCarthy for? Dak Prescott. I, I think it's not even just Dak. I think he's so good for the entire team. You do? Yeah, because you don't have to go through, like, talking to some first-year head coaches who are here this year, and I won't say who. You know, you talk to them, and whether they're successful or they weren't successful, and this is multiple guys, they'll all say, say to you how different this experience is now being here this year. Like, they know what they didn't know a year ago. They know how to better approach it. And it's not the case with Mike McCarthy, right? He's sharpened his skill set. He's Hopefully. dipped into the analytics world, and I think he's come out with a clearer view of how he wants to do things more efficiently. And, and, and he's going to be able to have a better sense and pulse for the team. So he's not necessarily dealing with a lot of firsts. He's got things to revert back on. So I think if Jerry and Dak and all involved for the Cowboys want to win now, he was their best option for that. So it's not just about Dak to me. It's about all the pieces involved. When I well, spoke to Dak at, at the Super Bowl, he said he was thrilled with the hire because he didn't want to have exactly what, what Brady talked about. He didn't right. want to have to go through the first year learning stumbles, curve. somebody else's the, learning the, curve. the learning curve of a of a college guy because there was some talk you know Lincoln Riley and maybe Urban Meyer and you know right. some of those some of those rumors that we heard um, so he was he was really excited about you know and, and I'm sure that's a selling point for him not that he's looking to leave but if he did have that option you know this is this is something that you think would want to keep him there the interesting thing though about Dak you know you said the brotherhood how much does the brotherhood of trying to Get other guys paid because they have so many free agents, you know, and and some key guys. Does that's that... Jerry's problem, man. Why yeah. do people that, that, want to make that out like that? I'm not, I'm I know not, you're not. I'm, I'm just asking. You're just presenting the argument. No, I'm just because, like Brady said, it's the, like, the brotherhood of, among quarterbacks. Dude, you know, he's got no, those, those players. Players understand that you got to do what's best for you and get yours. Agreed. They really do. Agreed. But you know, what's good for him is having Amari Cooper. You know, in that in that regard, they're not Amari Cooper. They have someone else. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the God's honest truth, man. Like you, that's not your job to do that. And the other thing is, is but if when, it's, if when it's, you're if back it's, at this if point it's in your 40 career, forty to thirty-eight or thirty-eight to thirty-five, you know what's what's Trump's cap? That's, yeah, like people, I, I, so many fans get so obsessed about the cap on these billionaires. I covered Redskins teams; they weren't very good, but Dan Snyder proved it. You can have a lot of five guys making over twelve million dollars a year back ten years ago, yeah. and still find a way to make it work if you're willing to keep doubling oh, God, down. Archuleta, yeah. Randall, L. I remember those teams. These guys could. Paragraph Nobody five, shed baby. a tear Paragraph for Jerry five. Jones. Right. I mean, you can get her. It is not a hard cap. It is very fungible. And if you're willing to continue to to spend, yeah, eventually the credit card bill comes due. But hopefully you've won a Super Bowl in due time. So 
franchise tag or no franchise tag. And the other dirty little secret is for about four years, Dallas was in the bottom 10 of spending year after year after year. Mike Brown spent exponentially more than Jerry Jones on payroll over a five-year period. So, sorry, bro. It's You want to keep Amari Cooper? You could pay him more than anybody else. You can do it. The money is what really matters, and you have more at your disposal than most owners in this league. Right. One um, first-year coach that's here, Matt Rule, said uh, this week, I absolutely want Cam here. There's no doubt about that. And quote, I also heard Matt Rule say that he has to guard against guaranteeing guys they're going to keep their jobs because this isn't college anymore. Um, Brady, you had a similar foot procedure to what Cam had, right? Yeah. So how comfortable do you feel about Cam being the guy in 2020 knowing that he had that procedure this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think it probably takes a year to be 100%. Um, and so that, that point would come at which some point during the season. Um, but yeah, I gotta be honest with you, you know, looking at him walking around during Super Bowl when we saw him, considering the time frame, you know, he looked like he was progressing well. You know, if he did have a procedure done, and I don't know the specifics of his procedure versus mine, but same injury. And, um, you know, it, I, I think the only question about whether or not he's there just comes down to what's potentially offered for him if there is a trade market. And then, how he's going to fit into Joe Brady's offense. You know, I mean, that, that's that's a huge piece to all this. Because um, I do think Joe Brady will figure out the best way to, have to utilize what they have and Cam if he's there. Uh, and it is on an economical deal, but that doesn't exclude the Panthers from also drafting a quarterback because they're not paying much for Cam in his last year. And it might be crazy to think of him as a bridge quarterback, but maybe he is. You know, maybe they sure. take someone in the, in the top ten with, with number seven overall to eventually replace him after this year. Is there any concern that Brady's 30 years old, Matt Rule is unproven in the locker room with the older guys? Do they care, or if you win, no one cares? I think this about coaches in the NFL. Um, if you played, does it matter? Yeah. There's no doubt players initially have a lot of respect for coaches who have played. But if you're a coach and you can help improve that player, if you're genuine, if you're a no-bull-type guy, and you can teach them something and, and like kind of change how they look at it, they'll be all on board. The only problem in saying all that is we don't get to the real adversity until you get to the season. When guy, when wide receivers aren't getting the football or that technique's not working or they're starting to lose games, that's where then you start to question everything. And so the culture that you develop, especially as a first-year coach, whether it's Matt Rule or anyone else, that's the biggest thing. And I think they're in a rebuild mode. You know, whether or not you feel like that, they're in a rebuild mode where they want some of those younger guys in who haven't been other places or haven't experienced Ron Rivera because it's easier to sell your vision when it's, it's the only thing they know coming in from college. So um, one of the things we talked about at lunch today was potentially rebuilding the Panthers, and our guy Jonathan Jones was talking about trading Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> and the conversation came up for two first-round picks. That seems extreme, but is there any notion that they should move on from, from uh, run CMC, I call him C-Mac, or... <laughs> Is the essential piece of their well, offense? Nicknames for people. Chit-chat. I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're uh, if you're getting an offer like that, of course you move on from him. If you're getting two first round picks for a running back, should you move on from him, even if it's just a one first round pick, even if it's like three second round picks? I mean, it, he seems a pretty important part of their offense. Why would you move on from him? I I mean, I, unless again you're getting blown away by something that's yeah. a a franchise changing deal. Look, then he's he's a short-term building block. And the reason I say short-term just because of the position he plays. I mean, God willing, from his career, for the Panthers fan base, for fantasy, I mean, he's he's a superstar. So you want to see him, you know, have 10-plus have years in the league. But that's just not the case of what the average, you know, career span is at that spot. So if you can get something overwhelming, two first-round picks, 
I don't know, three second round picks, but, you know, a top 10 pick for, for McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, something that can, you know, alter your franchise and they would have two first round pick, two top 10 picks. Then you do that or you, you certainly consider it. Because you got to pay McCaffrey now, and, and what what have we seen He's from? He's an airback, though, Jamie. Well, it doesn't matter. What have we seen from running backs who've gotten paid? You know, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. You know, go down the line, they just do not perform at the same level. Now, hopefully, he's different, but that's hard to say it's going to be case. There's nobody trading, even for him. <laughs> nobody's trading two first round picks. Of course not. Yeah. And I mean, could you get a late one and something else for him? I guess. But if you're also Carolina, it's not like they have a ton of guys to pay. Right? Keekley just retired. We're saying maybe they move on from Cam and at some point have a quarterback only making five million dollars a year. That's going to be that. He's going to be that quarterback's best friend. Do, do I love paying backs? No. Should they they pay him for another couple of years and structure the deal wisely? I, I would because no one's going to blow them away. If at the trade deadline next year they look like they're even more in rebuild mode and there's an offer you can't refuse, great. Right. But they're not. It's not a guy that they would be marketing to move the way like the Jets were trying to get out of Le'Veon Bell six months after getting in. Every team has a price for any player. Now that price may be completely fictional because it will never happen. But every team's got that price for him. But you know. I look at Christian McCaffrey and I think to myself, Joe Brady has to be, you know, pounding the table saying that rule was yesterday. Yeah. Well, not not even that. Yeah. I'm just saying, look at the, like how he utilized Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's a perfect fit for Joe Brady's offense. You better believe he's going to want that piece in this. And, and I mean, how many guys at that position catch 100 passes? You know, he's he's not just a running back. Like you said, air back piece. Right. He's, just, pretty, that's a, and he's got fire in the belly too. He fire in the belly. All right. So that's it for today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the first workouts. And, um, oh, by the way, earlier on Wednesday, our CBS Sports HQ guys were able to chat with some of the top running backs. Uh, you'll also hear Jamie talking because I kicked off the set, so I couldn't talk about the draft. Why did you get kicked off the set? I had to go to the bathroom. Thank you. You will hear number two. It was only number one. Uh, but we'll hear from J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards. Everybody Blair, here heard number two. Cam Akers, <laughs> DeAndre Swift, and Zach Moss. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. We are here with J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State at the combine out in indy we're sitting here we got a monitor you just saw sort of the rankings are regarded as a top three running back in this class i'm curious do you, do you allow yourself to kind of look at where you're at where you're stacked heading into the combine and eventually the draft uh yeah um earlier in the year or earlier in this process i looked at it and i see a lot of people putting me not number one so i just put it away not number one that's important to you because you think you're the best back here I, in the draft. i definitely do what do you have to show this week and the pro day and leading up to the draft? What do you have to show them that you are? What do you think your weaknesses that they might be doubting that they don't have you won? Uh, yeah, so um, definitely um, I can't show it in, like, combine drills, but pass protection is a thing that I can show. And a lot of people think or try to put out the, the idea that I can't catch good. And I think I had 70 catches and I had 20 catches 20 plus catches um, every year at my uh, career at Ohio State so I definitely think that I just have to show them that I can catch the 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 versatility in catching the ball is so important to the NFL there's some guys that you look at uh, that you maybe model your game after you know players that have either played in the NFL now or maybe guys that have played in you know previous years yeah uh, I try to uh, I know I don't get used like him but I try to emulate uh, Christian McCaffrey He's a tough runner. I think we're, we're built kind of the same, you know. He's a little taller, you know, but definitely like his game a lot, you know, and I, I, I try to play like him. We, we had him on our set for Super Bowl week, and he said, I don't want to be considered a running back. I want to be considered an offensive weapon. With the way the running back is sort of viewed in the NFL today, do you kind of feel a similar way? Yeah, I definitely I feel a similar way, you know. Um, 
if my team would have used me uh, that way, I definitely feel like I could have stepped up to that task, you know. But they used me out of, out of the backfield a lot, and I, I try to help my team in any way I could. When you were talking about, you know, the criticism of you not being able to catch, you, you referenced some of the stats. I think some people that tuned in saw, man, the Fiesta Boy had a couple of rough drops. And I hate to bring up the sore subjects. It's sort of something that has driven you nuts. But what do teams say, like, as far as what, where did the drops come from? Like, was it a mental thing? Was it just took your eye off the ball? Is it something as simple as that? Yeah, so um, the first pass that I dropped, the screen pass in the, in the Fiesta Ball, I honestly knew that there was going to be a touchdown. And so I, I took my eyes off the ball too fast, and I dropped it. You know, it was my mistake. I can't do things like that. And then the second touchdown, I don't really know if that was a drop. You know, yeah, I, it was a tough throw. <laughs> uh, a tough throw. I don't know if that was a drop. So, but it was counted as a drop, and, you know, I just got to work on when I hit the ground, I should have never had the ball like that. I should have just had it cradled like that. But is it frustrating? Like, does it piss you off when you hear people like criticize? Or like, even a question, like it would irritate me if I was a player. Do you get do you get bothered by it? Nah, it's, it's what people do. You know, uh, if they if they don't really watch me, watch my film, they they don't know anything. And if they, you see, you know, me, the pass being overturned, and then the, the drop screen pass, you're like, oh, he can't catch. But if you go watch the film, you, uh, people know that I can catch. You know, but. I have to do a better job. I, I, if I don't, if I don't drop those passes, then there's nothing for people to t- say like that. So that's my fault, and I, I I'm glad they criticized me because it'll make me better. Is that something that's been brought up in the interview process with some of the teams, and how's that gone for you? Some of the questions you've been getting. Uh, yeah, uh, not a lot of teams bring up, you know, just the fiesta ball, the drops or the, the drop screen pass and stuff like that. But they do ask me like how I think I can catch and I, I tell them how I feel I think I can catch very good you know and um so I just have to prove that to them whenever they work me out and do things like that what's the craziest questions you've gotten I haven't gotten any crazy questions yet uh uh yeah I haven't uh I mean a lot of people try to like figure like figure out if I do any bad things but I think I'm a pretty good kid and like, <laughs> okay, prod and they just want to pull something from you yeah huh? so so I'm like I'm like uh like someone asked me so what's your bad habit like and I was like, uh, if playing video games is bad. <laughs> That's my bad habit. We're running out of time. I got one more question, though, and it's and I know everything's projecting forward, but let's just look back a little bit at your time at Ohio State and, and Ryan Day. How would you describe Coach Day and obviously taking over for Coach Meyer and what he's done as he tries to continue that while you're gone now, going to the NFL? Yeah, uh, Ryan Day's an amazing coach. Uh, he's a genius. He took over the job, and there there was no, like, drop in the program it was just it's, the, the culture is set there and coach day is holding that up and he's an amazing coach i love playing for him I, i'm glad i got to play for him it was that's a guy that i would tell recruits out of high school that they want to play for because he'll get you ready all right we got to wrap things up jk certainly appreciate it man best of uh, luck the way this week and then we'll see you at the draft man appreciate it right thank you live at the combine danny cannell jamie eisenberg and with us now as you mentioned Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. Uh, we've been playing the game of, of how long you guys been doing medical. What was it like for you yesterday? Seven hours? Seven hours. Seven hours. <laughs> Seven long hours. Called. Seven hours to hear my name called <laughs> just to hear that I got the okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Um, what did you do to prep for this moment? Like from the time your last game to now, what have you been doing? So currently I'm in Phoenix, Arizona at the Exo facility training. And really from day one it's, you're running through all the drills. You're running through all of the tests before you get coached just to see where everyone's at because everyone's at a different spot. Um, so I feel like John Barlow and, and Nick Hill, they, the guys, the head guys there, they do a great job at running it. And, you know, after you go through that week of, 
pretty much going through the program. They see where everyone's at. Then you start getting dialed in. You start getting the little details, the little one-on-one attention with the nutritionist, with Nick, with Barlow. So you really have been prepping for this moment for a long time. Now at this point, it's just about execution and really just being yourself. A lot of the guys come and try to, you know, put on a show. But really what the coaches want to see, what everyone wants to see is who are you? Who is Jonathan Taylor? And who is Jonathan Taylor? Like, what are you telling these teams when they ask you some of these wacky questions? You know, what's the what's the interview process been like for you? So the interview process has been really fun for me. I kind of enjoy being challenged. You know, after you've been in the program for a few years, you kind of understand the playbook. You know the ins and outs of it. So when a coach is here and they're presenting a, a new protection to you, or they're presenting one of their offensive schemes to you, and you know they're asking you, can you can you repeat it back to me, or you know can you show me this scheme versus this front? I kind of enjoy that because it's like I'm learning all over again. When you, when we talk about running backs, we talk about tread in the tires, and you had an incredible career at Wisconsin, which I think some teams might be a little bit nervous about because you carried the ball so many times, broke Herschel Walker's record for the you know, first three years running the football. Has there any teams been concerned about that? Have they asked you about that? No, there hasn't been any teams that asked me about that. And one part I think is due to me not missing any practices or any games throughout my college career. And you know, shout out to Coach K and the strength and conditioning staff at University of Wisconsin for giving me the knowledge and also putting me in the position in order to prepare my body for that kind of workload throughout the season. You're keeping an eye on the, the prospect list, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, you, you know, Zach Moss, the guys just, you know, where you're being ranked and slotted, and would it be something special to you to be the first running back drafted in this class? Oh, it would definitely be something special to be the first running back off the board. I mean, that's why you've been you're working so hard these past couple of weeks is to try to make sure you were at your best to let these coaches know that, hey, you know, I'm your number one guy, I'm consistent, and I'm able to get the job done, I'm able to get the job done well. All right. Our time is short. Johnny's got to go up to the big podium, talk to the other media, but we open them up here. CBS Sports HQ getting ready. Best of luck this week, and uh, we'll see you at the draft, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. We got national champion of the LSU Tigers, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, joining us here. Uh, I was asking DeAndre Swift this question because you're in the running back group, but you're well represented with Joe and and Thaddeus, and you guys have been split. You guys find time to connect, though, a little bit in the last couple days? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Being able to, you know, I mean, I talked to, I've been talking to DeAndre probably more than, than mm-hmm. anybody. So, I mean, cool guy, you know, just kind of, we understand, like, we're kind of in that, in that same category as far as, as far as, like, what, what teams are, are wanting or looking for as far as our skill set. So, for the most part, man, uh, whatever, whatever he, he can help me out with, he's telling me, and for the most part, whatever feedback I'm giving him, I'm telling him. So, I mean, but, you know, it's, at, at this point, it's not, you know, it's it's competition, but for the most part, man, you want to you also want to see the other guy excel. So I was gonna, I was going to ask you about the competition. I mean, uh, you know, we've asked, we've had you know the best of the best running backs, including yourself, come up here in the last couple of minutes. Everybody says they want to be the best. How important is it to you to be the first running back drafted in this class? Oh, it, it'll, it'll mean the world. And then ultimately, me believing in myself, I feel like I am the best running back in the draft. And it's just it's as simple as that. I feel like I can do everything. I feel like I have the most uh, the most trade on my tires. I feel like I, I you know I wasn't I didn't have the 800, 900 yards, uh, not 900 carries as far as uh, my career, but for the most part, everything that needed to be displayed was was something that was that that was done. Um, and I I kind of think back to to last year with uh with Josh Jacobs. I mean, he was a he was the first back off the board, um, and he wasn't even the starter the year before. But they understand. I mean, if a guy can play, a guy can play. Uh, and and that's pretty much that's pretty much the gist of of, of what I'm getting. So they understand. I'm. I'm doing my thing in the formal interviews and you know every every team every team i'm walking out of i'm I'm leaving an impression on we had joe burrow on yesterday and he was talking about his decision not to work out because 
you know, everybody else has an extra few weeks to yeah. prepare. Have you felt like this is a cram session because you guys win the national championship? Then there's parades. You go to like, it's, it's a lot. And then this process is sped up. Have you felt like it's a cram session? Um, you know, I, I really didn't. I feel like I had a lot of, a lot of off time, which was, you know, which is weird. I was training, I was training twice a day, but I mean, I had my weekends free. I was able to, <laughs> I was able to chill and, you know, just kind of relax. Um, I, I didn't, I was in Carlsbad, California and nothing is going on in Carlsbad. <laughs> so I was, um, I was able to just, I was unwinding on the weekend and, and doing my thing Monday through Friday. So, um, I didn't feel like it was crammed at all. I feel like I'm as, as prepared as I can be for the combine and, and I'm ready for it. How much did that offense at LSU just suit your skill set? Like you said, you know, your, your skill set for the NFL, but how much did that offense prepare you for this next level? It did everything that it, that it, that it, that it needed to do and everything that it could do. Um, I was able to, to, to do the things that I'm, that I'm good at. Uh, and, and the biggest thing, you know, Coach O preached it. He wanted to find a, 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 a guy that can, that can change everything as far as getting playmakers in space. Uh, this offense came in, and I was able to to just go to work. Um, everything it's, everything was was natural about everything that's, that that went on. We're looking at some of your highlights right now. Obviously, the SEC on CBS was a big package, and you were featured a lot throughout the year. The 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 range of motion. I'm interested. Like when you got together with Joe Brady, the passing game corner. Did he know what you could do? Did you go to him and say, "I got great hands. I can come out of the backfield. I can take me in the slot." What was that first conversation, either spring ball or fall camp? Um, we didn't really we didn't really talk a lot when he first came. Really, he was, nothing. He was big on a he was in the receivers room. You know, get get the things down as far as quarterback to receivers. That's the you know that was that was the big part. I mean, I was one person, so he knew. I mean, I think. He came in, talked to some guys like, "Hey, you really don't have to worry about Clyde. Whatever you tell him is going is going to be done. Is going and, and he's going to make it happen." So, the first real conversation was on a on a practice field. Probably when he saw the field said, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah." It was spring ball, and 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 he was like, "Man, I need you to do this. You make it happen. This is what you're going to make money on for the rest of for for the rest of your life, and the rest of it, and you're going to kill it this season." And from that point on, everything just took off. What do you think's the biggest concern that teams have about you and how are you gonna address that? Um I feel like I feel like nobody has a has a real concern. Um you know, the the thing that they see on film is our offense was eighty five percent of the time we were in five man protection. Um ten percent of the time we were in six man and then we were in six man. It was me checking the wheel side linebacker and then getting out in the route. So about ninety around ninety percent of the time I was out in the route. Um but if, as far as being able to, to get film from, from practice and everything else, as far as pass pro and the things that we worked on, I mean, they can, they can go back and watch it. They can go back and see it. He's a, you know, I'm, I'm all around. I can, I can do it all. Uh, you know, running between the tackles was, I think, almost 80% of my runs. And, you know, that's, you get the, get the, you know, he's small and everything else. But, I mean, as y'all can see, it's the year of the, of the short running back, we say. So, I mean, you know, we, guys making it happen. And, and ultimately, I feel like I made it happen. And not only, in college football, but in the SEC, it's a loaded class, and obviously, it's going to go you know probably a hundred different ways before you get to actual draft day. Yes, sir. If you're not a first round pick, yes, sir. What's that motivation going to be like to prove the 32 teams that passed on you why you should have been maybe the top guy in this class? It's gonna, it's gonna. Like I said, uh, you know, I've been saying in the interviews, my sophomore year, I kind of somebody they they kind of lit a match in me, um, and that was that that kind of started the fire of everything, and. You know, if you wanna if you wanna strike two matches and, and, and be on the other side of that ball when I'm when I'm playing against you, you know, that's on you. So uh ultimately they're gonna watch the film and, and whoever doesn't get me they you know, they I feel like they're they're gonna be genuinely hurt about the situation. 
because they they're gonna realize like okay, uh, I gotta go. We gotta go face this dude, and he and he's gonna he's gonna be the real deal. So, you know, they could they could they could strike the second match, but right now it's a it's a it's an inferno and lit, lit inside me. Clyde certainly appreciate the time. By the way, we had a, a string of running backs. Confidence not lacking in any of them, right, guys? <laughs> no. Clyde Edwards Hilaire joining us here at CBS Sports HQ. Best of luck the way. Here on the HQ set, we do have Cam Akers, and, and I'm usually put first question to me, but majority rules here. So we got a Gator, we got a Spartan, but we got two Seminoles. So Danny, I'm going to let you go first here. <laughs> and give first there we there. go. We got to look out for each other. No, yeah, we got to show each other love. No, but I've been telling people that people are sleeping on you because I see you listed as the fourth or fifth running back. And I think if you played behind an offensive line like DeAndre Swift had at Georgia, or if you played behind an offensive line like Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, I think we might be talking about you that way. But you played behind a bad offensive line. I mean, it's been bad. And I think you've proven to be tough. I think you've proven Appreciate to make plays when there's nothing there, which is really valuable. You can, you're versatile. You can do a lot of different things. Yes, sir. Do you feel like you're underrated here with some of these other running backs? Definitely. Definitely feel like I'm underrated. Um, I definitely feel like my situation wasn't the best. You know, I'd never be the one to say my old line was bad or they didn't block. I take full responsibility for any deficit that was in my game. But, you know, um, I definitely feel underrated and I definitely feel like I have something to prove. Dan, Danny mentioned it. Do you feel like you're the most versatile running back in this like group? I mean, just what, you, what you're able to do, catch the ball. Just I mean, It's such a big part of the NFL right now, just Definitely. being able to be that versatile type of running back. Just talk about how you go about approaching that part of the game, catching the ball, being a good blocker, or those things aside from just running the ball. Uh, I, I try to work on being a three-down back, you know, as far as uh, blocking, running, and catching. In order to stay on the field, three or four downs if need be, you got to be able to do all three. Uh, and, and that's something I take pride in doing. And you even played some quarterback, you know, yes, they had to do everything. <laughs> trick plays too. Yeah, they'll trick plays everything they need from you. What do you think you have to show the scouts, kind of, if there is any question marks, what do you want to prove to them that you can do here at the Combine specifically? Definitely my speed, definitely the speed. Uh, I, I've been hearing a lot of questions about am I fast enough to, do I have the top end speed? So, you know, uh, my 40 is really important to me this week. And um, I think a lot of people have a lot of uh, a lot of woos when they see it. What's your goal for the forty? Uh, low four four, high four three. They'll definitely be wooing a lot if they do that. <laughs> How about the two twenty five? Uh, twenty plus. Twenty plus. Yes, sir. What's been some of the conversations you've had with teams? Because obviously that's the second part of it is not just watching what you do running. And, and uh, it's been a lot, of, a lot of exits and O's. You know, a lot of can I can I identify defensive fronts? Uh, can I uh, block? Can I know? Uh, if, if people are blissing, can I um, pick up blisses? You know, just a lot of X's and O's. What's the wackiest question you got? Can I handle Miami? <laughs> <laughs> the Dolphins have a need. Exactly. They, they do have do. a need. Um, do you have a spot that you would like to go, or are you just kind of open to all 32? I'm open to whoever um, is interested in me, you know. Um, can't be picky. You got to gotta go wherever likes you, and, uh, and that's, that's, what, that's what's going to happen for me. That's where I am at it. All right. We got time for one more question, so I'll, I'll be the one to ask you the change in format. Are you a morning guy? Obviously, the shift to nights, and you mentioned what you need to prove and what you want to prove. So how do you anticipate handling sort of that night format? Uh, it's nothing to handle. You know, you don't have to get ready when you stay ready. You know, whatever situation thrown at me, I'll be ready for it. All right. Handmakers yes, joining us here at CBS Sports yes, HQ. Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank we'll see you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Much. I'm here with Ugga's own DeAndre Swift joining us. And uh, we were talking about the offensive linemen our first hour. Now we're doing the running backs. Had Zach Moss and now DeAndre joining us here. The theme we've been talking about for today's guys are these, these medical examinations and these long visits. Like, what was it like for you kind of sitting and waiting and just wanting to maybe get it all done? Yeah, it was long. Yesterday was a long process. Uh, I got in the medical and the- in the hospital about nine o'clock in the morning. 
didn't leave till six o'clock and got right back to dinner and getting ready for meetings and stuff. So it's a long process, but you only go through this once. So you kind of try to embrace it and uh, keep a smile on your face. Most guys are pretty prepped coming in, whether it's your agent or your team, whoever people are telling you what to expect. Has it been pretty much what you thought? Has there been anything that surprised you? So far, I didn't know the informal meetings were going to be as crazy as they are. A lot of people in the room, a lot of people wanting to talk to you. But uh, like I said, you're here for a reason, so you got to embrace it. But So in those informal meetings, what type of questions are they asking? Um, for me personally, we've been talking ball, a lot of background stuff, but um, getting me to draw plays and um, kind of remembering their plays and stuff. Seems like I can remember and retain information quickly. You're on a lot of people's, the top of, of their rank list as the number one running back coming into the draft. How important is that to you to be the first running back taken? That's a blessing. Um, it's a lot of run, great running backs in this draft. So just to be announced as one of the top guys, a blessing. Um, can't take that for granted, but just got to come out here and show why I should stay up there. You guys in Athens have had a pretty good run of running backs that have gotten drafted and played at the next level. You kept in touch with some of those guys, Sony Michelle, other players that have been through there, and kind of talked to them about the transition and what to expect? Most definitely. I always kind of try to pick their brain and see how their process was and um, give me any pointers on how to control anything I can control in this process. I talked to them about last week um, about stuff going on today. Do you get a lot of uh, comps that maybe you, you, you like or don't like, you know, players that you compare favorably to or some guys you're like, really? I don't really see my game matching up with uh, with that particular I haven't guy. seen too many where I don't see my game matching up. All the ones that I got, I'm like, I thought I played like him when I was younger. So it's kind of cool to see to see that. Is there one like you, that, that stands out to you? Um, LaShawn McCoy, I used to always watch him when I was younger. Um, just the way he make people miss in space, just create different opportunities, um, just to make stuff happen. I think I, I do that. Well. I, I got to tell you, and, and Danny could probably reference because he probably met him once or twice, but when you walked up here and shook our hand, the last time, and, and immediately, last time that I, I, I remember that, Adrian Peterson, he's got one of the hardest handshakes ever, and you have a very strong handshake <laughs> that speaks volumes, probably have some good hands. Is, is catch the ball right. something that you pride yourself on? Oh, most definitely. Um, I think that's what makes me um, so versatile, my style of play, just being able to create mismatches and um, make people miss and get open and um, be a reliable asset in the passing game. A couple of your teammates are here. We've talked to them. Jake Fromm's decision to come out. I'm curious, what was your reaction when Jake Fromm said he was coming out? I'll support him either way, if he stayed or if he left. Um, I love Jake, like, like my brother. So I was going to support him either way, and I was back in his decision. Do you guys, because you guys get split up into groups, whether it's Andrew, Jake, or yourself, you guys find time to kind of connect while you're down here? How does that work out yeah, so far? Anytime we're in a group, we was just with each other. Um, just now, anytime we get a chance to sit together okay. as Georgia Bulldogs, we always kind of catch up and see how everybody date went and just see how everything's going for each other. What's it going to take for Georgia to get over that hump, to get that national championship? Because you guys been knocking on the door yeah. so long. I know it was something you probably wanted to do. What's it going to take? It's so much small stuff. Um, just little inches. Um, it starts with this off-season, off-season training. I know, I know they're training hard. Coach Sinclair's got them doing a great program in the weight room. So just taking the little stuff and um, always doing more, you know, um, staying ready all the, all the time. You said it would be a blessing to be the, the, the first running back taken. Are you keeping an eye on the other guys? Like uh, Tommy said, we had Zach Moss up here. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. Do you, you keep an eye on what's happening with them and, you know, following some of the, the prospect rankings as well? I'm not keeping an eye. Like I said, um, every running back here is here for a reason. I'm just blessed to be at the top, um, be a, be talked about at the top. I'm just here to compete and just show all the scouts um, why I should stay at the top. Do you have an ideal team landing spot, a team maybe rooted for when you grew up that you'd love to go play for? No, I would love to go to whoever wants me. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to put my best foot forward every day whenever I get there. The, there's, there's some talk about the Falcons maybe moving on from Devontae Freeman. I, I know you're not a Georgia kid originally, but staying in the state, would that be something that would be cool for you? That would be very cool. Um, I'd, be, I'd be happy. I'd be happy. 
Today's NFL has even the best running backs go relatively by committee. So when you envision yourself going into a team, being a part of not just yourself, but maybe two uh, three other backs. Uh, how much of that helped you in college with what you guys had to do, what you anticipate will be in the league? I think that's big. Um, you don't get a lot of wear and tear on your body, and it keeps you fresh for whenever you need to go in. You get to put your best foot forward, whatever play, whatever your number's called. You're always ready, um, not taking 30 carries a game or whatever case may be, but um, you're available if you need to do so. But having multiple guys and um, in that offense is amazing. Yeah, but but you gotta you gotta want the ball. <laughs> Jamie's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Jamie's a fantasy guy. He's like he wants you to get the ball. Be like the next Josh Jacobs, you know, get out there and, and play well. That too. It's all about winning. It's all about winning. Like you said, if you're available and they want you to get them thirty carries, and you can do so. But um, if you don't need to, you don't need to. Just forget the cameras. Forget the audition for the new job. You want to just say, it. just say, I want the ball. <laughs> Give me the ball. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> there it is. Getting used to the, the fire in the belly. Right already. There. You got the fire in the belly. Yeah, we'll appreciate you, man. I know you're going to get up there and be talking soon. So uh, thanks for taking the time. Enjoy the rest of the week, yes, and uh, we'll see you at the draft. Thank you, all right? thank you all for having me. Yeah, thank Andrew you. Swift joining us here at CBS Sports HQ. We do have Jamie Eisenberg, of course, Danny Cannell, Tommy Tramp, with Zach Moss out of Utah. I got to ask you, our, our studio is out in Fort Lauderdale, so Indy's a, a little bit of a change of pace weather-wise. Yeah. You and Tyler Huntley, SoFlo, Broward, Miami-Dade guys, uh, what was that like going to Salt Lake when you guys started getting on campus, getting ready to play ball? Uh, it was a huge culture shock, man, <laughs> um, coming from, you know, the windy South Beaches and things like that to, you know, snow, sleet, rain, um, but it was all good. Honestly, it was a good experience for us to go out there, you know, and see different things. Obviously, we were talking about before we came on air about the time you spent at the hospital getting, you know, x-rays and having to go through the process of getting tugged and pulled on. Teams are probably a little bit concerned. You did have to uh, battle some injuries. What do you want teams to know about you health-wise going forward? I'm definitely 100% healthy now. Um, you know, I took that time off. Uh, you know, I opted out of playing in the senior bowl to make sure that I was 100% ready to go just for this week, definitely, um, you know, moving forward. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, you know, it's a game and things like that. But, you know, I'm definitely doing a lot better now. A lot of great running backs coming into this class uh, uh, with yourself. You know, how much are you paying attention to DeAndre Swift, John the Taylor, you know, some of those guys and just some of the buzz that's going around with them as well as what people are saying about you? Um, Very little. You know, these guys are been good to, you know, hang around with and, you know, get to know a little bit better um, just besides playing football and things like that. But, you know, I'm just, you know, I have a very, uh, you know, head-down approach just making sure that I can, you know, control my controllables. What is your best asset that you can sell to an NFL team? And then what is the thing that you think you need to improve on to go even higher than you want? Uh, honestly, my knowledge of the game. You know, I feel like I'm a pretty good student of the game. Um, you know, I have a very high capacity to try and learn this game and continue to learn this game. Um, things that I want to continue to work on is just, you know, being more elusive, um, having more explosive runs in my game, um, and I feel like if I continue to do that, I'll be, you know, a lot more better rounded off. Being a student of the game, is there some guys that you watch growing up or maybe continue to watch that you sort of try to model your game after? Um, I watched a lot of Marshawn Lynch growing up. Um, I like Ezekiel Elliott. Um, big fan of a lot of guys, but those two uh, predominantly were the guys for me. Do you try to, like, copy some moves when you're, you know, definitely, at home? Definitely <laughs> try to uh, implement some moves into my game. Um, I think you can see a lot of Marshawn, the way I run and, uh, you know, how I approach the game. When you watch and you, you know, you probably try to ignore some of the mock drafts, but when you look at landing spots, there are a handful of teams. Maybe you think you have an opportunity. You look at their depth chart and say, I could see myself playing for that team. Uh, yeah, you know, I can see myself playing for any team. You know, I'm going to come in 
um, work hard, you know, and try to adapt to the city, to the community and the fans the best way I can, you know, and try and be a great teammate no matter where it is. Dolphins have an opening. <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad spot, honestly. You know, uh, kid from Miami, go back home, play in front of my family and things like that. Um, wouldn't be a bad spot, but, you know, like I said, I'll be blessed to go uh, wherever this uh, process takes me. We're looking right now at some of the running back prospect rankings from our guy Ryan Wilson, our draft analyst, and, and you're there. He's got you in the top five in the terms of position groups. I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts. Are, are you a, a morning workout guy because now they're, they're switching it to prime time? How, how do you plan on anticipating because we talked about all the medicals and all the interviews the physical stuff when you get ready for Friday night, what's that going to be like for you? Um, you know, just warming up, making sure that I'm focused all day, um, keeping my body ready to go. If it's just, you know, push-ups throughout the day, just having blood flowing, making sure that I'm loose um, and just ready to go. And, you know, this is uh, something I want to continue to dominate. You play on the Pac-12. It's like waiting for a, for a late game, right? <laughs> you just got to wake up all day. You're ready to Pretty play much. ball. And you got to sit much. and wait through dinner before you play your yeah, game. Huh? What much. are your goals as far as the 40 time, 225 bench? What are your goals? Uh the bench, I want to be somewhere around 20. Um, 40, I want to be somewhere around the four fives. When you uh, when, when you spend some time getting ready for the the com, I see you you know around guys like Kenny Galladay, Brandon Cooks. What's that like to be around some of these guys while you're working out, getting ready for this process? It's cool, you know. Um, you used to see success, you know, it makes you want to work harder and strive a lot harder, um, you know. And then you see what it takes, even in the off season, to continue to you know be at a certain level and uh, what that takes. You talk to those guys during some downtime about just, you know, those things that you mentioned, just trying to. Yeah, I was, you know, those guys came around a lot while we were out there um, training and things like that. You know, they definitely uh, spoke to us, you know, and, you know, just told us to enjoy this process for one. Um, be grateful that we're here. A lot of guys, you know, don't get an opportunity to be here and things like that. And then just make the most of our opportunity. All right. Thanks. Really appreciate the time. I know you got to get up there on the podium, talk to the media. Thanks for spending a few moments on no HQ. Problem. Good luck this week. Thanks for Best of luck for the rest of the way. May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.